This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey there, and welcome to Speakernomics, the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. I'm your host, Tom Singer, and today we're talking to Jason and Kim Katecki. Hey, Jason and Kim, welcome. Welcome to Speakernomics. Glad to be here. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having us. Hey, so today we are going to talk about uh, how to sort of find your relevant branding. And you guys are really experts in some of this stuff. So what are two tips you have for speakers on being relevant when it comes to their brand? Well, the first tip is to know what game you're playing. Yes. And our second tip today is going to be to find your must be nice. Ooh, these are going to be fun tips for all of us to unpack over the next 25 minutes. So for those of you who don't know Jason and Kim Katecki, I got to tell you, they are awesome. So they are a husband and wife couple. They've been in the speaking business a long time. They're the parents of three kids. Jason is a very accomplished artist who often takes his art and works it into his presentations. But what they do is they help organizations and individuals beat adult-itis. Hey, I'm getting older. I'm suffering from that adult-itis. You need the Katekis to help you because they help you sort of address change and burnout and help you become more innovative and, you know, sort of more creative, which is what we all need. So stop taking yourself too seriously and have more fun. That's what the Katekis would tell you. So let's have some fun. All right, Jason and Kim, your first tip is all about uh, what what did you say? Uh, stop playing the games of, of speaking. Yeah, know what, know what game you're playing. It's not about uh, stop playing the games because we're all playing games. But I think it's important about w- knowing which one you're playing and letting go of all the other ones. All right. So let's talk about what you mean by the games that we're playing. What are you talking about? Well, you know, I, I like calling them games because there there's a, usually with a game you keep score and there's a way to know if you're winning or not. And I think about the old the old timey uh, American dream where it was like, get the white picket fence and the home and the 2.5 kids. And the white picket fence was sort of the, uh, the trophy that you, you won that game. And so I think we're all playing different games. Uh, we may not consider them games, but they might be, you know, like um, in, in the speaker business, it's like trying to become a New York times bestseller or, trying to be uh, get booked with bureaus and have bureaus be the primary mode of your business. Sometimes it's the game of how many game, how many days am I on the road? So I can brag about that. It might be obviously revenue. Like I make this much money speaking, but for some people it's about trying to make the biggest impact that I can. I know there's a lot of speakers who are very mission based and of course they make money, but their primary goal is to help uh, workplaces be more inclusionary or to help people understand what consent means, things like that. Right. So um, the reality is, is I think we're all playing a lot of different games, um, sometimes personally, sometimes professionally, and we can get distracted by other people's games, which causes us to lose focus. 
Well, there's a lot of sort of keeping up with the Joneses in the speaking business. There's a lot of people who do fall sort of trap to, you know, oh, I need to play this game. I, I, I need to write a book or I need to, I need to do this. I need to do that. So how do you stop playing the wrong games? And, and, and as you said, identify the right ones for you. Well, that's the ticket, right? And I think the first step is to decide what games matter to you. Why did you get into the speaking business? What are you trying to accomplish? Um, it, and it, by the way, it's perfectly okay if it's like, I want to make a living at this. I want to support my family with this or anything like that. But um, knowing what matters to you. So for instance, like pretty early on, we knew that the speaking business can be very uh, demanding on being away from your family. Now, of course, this last year, like travel, what, what's <laughs> travel? Um, now, it's demanding. The, now it's demanding because we're spending too much time with our families. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's taking a toll on our families uh. in the new way. But uh, it, we knew as uh, people who were, we, we didn't have uh, kids at the time when we started, but as we were growing our family, we knew that we didn't want to be away all the time. And so the speaking business was a way to help people, but also have a a freedom lifestyle. And so early on, Kim and I traveled together to all of our gigs. Um, Now I use a lot of opportunity where, whether it's frequent flyer miles or you get booked in a cool location that we can bring the family along. So it was more about how does this, how do we have freedom and variety and experiences in our life because of the speaking business and not necessarily how many stages can I speak on? Or even like there's a different game playing of big stages, right? Uh, Trying to get on the biggest stages, the most prestigious stages. Um, I've had a few of those, but it is, is we have decided to play a different game that doesn't always line into that category, um, which is fine with us. But at the same time, it can be really, you wonder like, oh, maybe I should be doing that or maybe I should be doing that. And there's definitely a danger in the comparison, you know, and the opportunity to get distracted by that. So we, every year we have a pretty thorough evaluation and review together that just helps us remind ourselves of what mission we're really trying to accomplish to stay in the lane that we want to be in and not be distracted by all the lights going on around us. And sometimes it changes, but, um, but yeah, it's really, it's, I I like to use a metaphor of like Tiger Woods doesn't beat himself up for not having as good of a free throw percentage as Steph Curry, (laughs) because he's not playing that game. But we do that all the time. I see someone who's achieving something amazing and I'm like, Oh, why am I not achieving that thing? And the reality is because I'm not playing that game. And when I really own it, like I don't want to play that game. Um, yeah, I might like the accolades that come with it or the freedom that comes with it or whatever it comes with, but, um, I'm not playing that game. Um, I, we, we joke from a personal, our personal life, our neighbor <laughs> waters his lawn with unicorn tears. Uh, and it looks amazing and it's beautiful. And he's cutting his grass every 10 seconds and his, it makes our lawn look like crap. And then I feel bad about that. But then I realize I'm not competing in the best lawn in the neighborhood Olympics. I'm competing in the spend as much free time with my kids while they're young game. And this is not to judge him because his kids are, he's retired. His kids are grown. Like that might be his Zen. That's, that's his bonsai tree, his lawn. Right. And so it's just realizing people are playing different games and don't beat yourself up for not leading the league in a game you're not playing. So this is a really important conversation for people in the speaking business because we do get very much caught up in that, uh, 
you know, I, I love what you said. I'm, I'm not playing the game of, of the Olympics of the best lawn in the neighborhood. We get often caught up around, you know, who's got the fanciest gigs or, you know, even so, you know, you see the speakers who, who post pictures with their fancy cars and sometimes it's like, oh, and then I think, oh, wait a minute, I purposely don't have a fancy car because I don't care. And so, you know, I, I drive a seven-year-old Mustang and I'm very happy with a seven-year-old Mustang. Uh, I don't need to have, you know, a BMW or whatever the fancy car of the moment, a Tesla might be. And so how do we do this then? How do we step back from the games that we get sucked into? Because it happens to most of us. How do we step back? Like you said, you do it every year. How can speakers do that and, and say, whoa, not my game? Well, yeah, that's that's the thing. I think that it just requires a lot of deep work, a lot of uh, some solitude journaling. Um, if you are are married or in a significant relationship, it's like having conversations about what you want your life to be. And it's all the cliche things, right? Of Like, where do you want to be in five years, 10 years? Like, um, I think that's one of the benefits of the, the pandemic is it it put a halt to everything, which made us really evaluate what are you about? What do you care about? What matters? And so it's doing the work of almost being away from it. It's really hard to do it while you're with other speakers or while you're at a conference. I mean, cause that's, it's just overwhelming. So getting back to yourself and like I said, having that, that whether it's prayer or meditation or thinking or journaling or what it is, it's in there, but a lot of times the noise of the world and all of the other stuff muffles it a little bit. I think the other um, thing is accountability. So, and I know you, Tom, have a great group of speakers that you have close relationships with that can keep you accountable to the goals that you've set forth with. And we have each other. So we have that as an opportunity to say, Hey, this is, we're kind of getting off track here. Or in your case, right. You have people that you're like, is this going to be, what do you guys think of this? Cause I'm kind of distracted by this. Is this lining up with where I want to go and get it, having those relationships to be able to call you out and be honest. And you need people in your life that are going to be really brutally honest with your life choices. Yeah. A good metaphor. I have a friend who works uh, downtown Chicago and he actually lives in Indiana and commutes. And he told me one day he gets up like at four 30 in the morning to beat the traffic. And there's times where he looks at his speedometer and he's going like 95 miles an hour, but it doesn't seem like he's going that fast because everyone else is going 95 miles an hour <laughs> and the police don't care because they know if they stop anyone, it's going to clog up traffic later. The problem is if you're going 95 miles an hour in the wrong direction, and sometimes we get caught up in following games that seem normal because everyone else is doing it, and we don't pause just enough to know, is this the direction I want to be going in? And so I think it's easy in the speaking world to follow the tactics of other speakers without even stopping to consider what is the strategy? What is their strategy? What is our strategy? And following tactics blindly is sort of like going 95 miles an hour in the wrong direction. So when, when we do this, when we play these wrong games and go the wrong direction, we're really clogging up our own branding, aren't we? Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. Kind of, it kind of jumbles it up with other stuff, and and you lose clarity that way. So then we look at other speakers and we say, "Oh wow, she's so fortunate. Must be nice." And we see people who, you know, they were employee number six at Southwest Airlines, or they played in the NBA, or you know, one of the other, you know, they 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 were an astronaut. Oh, must be nice. Your your career would be so easy. 
So your second tip is find your own what's be nice. What do you mean by that? Oh man. I remember our first speak, you know, our first, um, meetings that we were going to meeting other speakers, right. Where you're, you're networking and you're finding out what people's, uh, thing are. And it, you, you, it's constant. You're like, Oh man, must be nice to be an Olympian. I mean, she didn't even win the Olympics. And that's like, you know, <laughs> use that, right. That's, that's right? like a total, just, to, even, even no medal. You still can mark it as an Olympian. She right? had the jacket. Oh, and yeah. Right, right. And speakers that are listening, if you've been around long enough, you will know how perverse it gets. All right. This is really, this is, this is gross for anyone else to hear, but speakers will get this. You could say he is a blind double amputee who climbed Everest must be nice. (laughs) And it's like, it's the worst thing, but you know what I'm saying, right? And people have said that I've heard it at many things is somebody went through a horrible tragedy and right. they're now a speaker and they go, well, of course they get booked because of that. And it's like, <laughs> wow, people say that right. out loud. Yeah. But you're, you're looking at it from the marketing and sales perspective of like, well, of course people want to hear that story. Right. So it's a very honest, pure intention, but it does come off really twisted after yeah. a while. I remember very early on in my career. I mean, I am. I have never had anything super terrible happen to me. I have never been in the Olympics. I've never accomplished anything all that amazing. <laughs> and I remember, employed by I remember <laughs> thinking like what a disadvantage that was. And, and there was a meeting planner that pulled me aside. And this was like, this is probably my first year. And she said, you're a regular guy. Most people are regular people. And although it's great to hear inspiring stories who've accomplished superhuman type things, it's also nice to hear from regular people doing regular things, living a regular life. And of course, we do have things that are unique and different and stuff. But that was it that I, I, I was really grateful for that because it, w- it helped me to not worry so much about what other people's must be nices were. Right. And uh, I remember being at an NSA conference one time in the darkened auditorium and you hear these amazing speakers and, and they're the best of the best. Right. And you're, and you're just like, ah, oh, must be nice. Must be nice. And you, you get smaller and smaller in your chair because you're just doing the comparison game. And I had a moment, and this was like probably 12 years ago where I had this like come to Jesus moment and was like, dude, you are an artist. You can paint you are hardly even utilizing this in your speaking. If you actually took this and incorporated it into what you do 10 years from now, 15 years from now, you will be on a main stage and there will be people in the audience saying must be nice. He can make artwork that ties into his message and creates pass along value and and, and imprints the message into people's mind, like must be nice. And it was like, damn it was like you have that conversation where you you you, you like, give yourself yeah, a lecture true. and then you don't have anything to respond to you're, like, you're right self no. and this summer you guys will be on the main stage at the national speakers association and your powerpoint is going to involve some of that absolutely <laughs> i've seen you speak several times it's going to involve some of that very beautiful art and there are going to be people sitting in the audience in las vegas or watching it on the live stream who are going to say, well, of course they're so successful as speakers. Jason can draw the the artistic cartoon of a penguin in a way that says what his message is saying in a way I never could. Must be nice. Must be nice. Is this nice. meta? Is yeah. that what they, you know, what, <laughs> yes. that's, this is full circle, right, Tom? So, so how do how do the rest of us who are just regular people, I'm, I'm like you, I'm just a regular guy, but I can't paint. So... 
you know, how, how do the rest of us find our must be nice? Imagine what connecting with some of today's most influential and successful speakers can do for your business and your income. As an entrepreneur speaker, there's only one conference where you can mingle with today's industry titans. The National Speakers Association's premier conference has returned, and it's going down July 10th through the 12th at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. We've invited today's most innovative and influential speakers so you can learn, network, and mingle with the best of the best. Gain insight and connections you won't find anywhere else. And you don't need to attend in person. This year, we've taken the conference online and are giving you the option to virtually rub shoulders with your peers and today's top names. To ensure the safety of attendees, in-person attendance is limited to the first 500 guests. So head over to Influence2021.com to grab your ticket to this year's flagship conference. That's Influence2021.com to register today. How do the rest of us find our must-be-nice? must be nice to be um, Tom Singer and be like super dynamic and quick on your feet to be able to talk to large audiences and introduce people, make them feel valued, make them feel, you know, being able to tie every speaker in to the overall theme, just like that. His his voice is so dynamic and crisp. You know, it's like, everybody's got one, right, Tom? I mean, we think of you and I'm blushing because I was the MC (laughs) about a year before the pandemic. And it's not a small feat. I mean, what you pull off, Tom, is remarkable. And as introverts that, you know, poses extroverts in the outside world, it's hard for introverts to process all that information so quickly to be able to present it the way you do. And I've seen you do it, um, you know, and it's not, I can, I know the magic you're pulling off and you make it look really easy. And that's, you know, so everybody, well, that's the key is that you make it look easy and to you, it It is easy. easy. Not that you didn't work at it. I think that's where we get caught up. Yeah. Everybody has, probably several must be nices, but we overlook them because they come easy to us. And we think because it comes easy to us, it must come easy to everyone else. And so we all have different, uh, whether it's sometimes it's talent, but sometimes it's just luck. It's luck. Like the fact that Kim is a, a business partner and also does a lot of the marketing. I, I'm sure, you know, Tom, like there, there are a million speakers who hate me because my <laughs> wife does my speaking and mar- marketing and booking and things like that. And I'm like, one of them. I wish, I wish my wife was involved in my business. My wife is an amazing business person and, and, you know, super creative, but she has chosen, she doesn't want to, to live a life where we're all engrossed in my business. And so right. she, she lets me travel. She lets me do it. But I'm like, oh, if you just did what Kim Kataki did, our business would be twice as big. Must right? be, must and be it, nice, Katekis. Uh, well, a, it, you're damn right. It's a must be nice. <laughs> and that's the point is like, what is yours and take advantage of it? Because right. I can think of about 85 million other must be nices I don't have. Right. Um, that, you know, like I, I think of a, a good friend, Jason Hewlett, like must be nice to make crazy faces and sound like an angel who sounds like Elton John, right? Like it, it's, 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 and, and it's, it's not like that. he hasn't um, developed his worked on his craft. I mean, we, right. we don't know many people who work as hard as he does on right. the creative efforts he puts out in the world. So it's not the easy stuff all the time, but it is stuff you enjoy your passion, your mm-hmm. combination of background and skills, maybe even how you were raised or who you've been exposed to all these kind of things come together to be you like, what's your, what's the unique value you bring yeah and like i said sometimes just being 
a regular quote regular guy is actually a must be nice in some cases because you can become you're more relatable sometimes so it's it doesn't have to be sexy but uh, it, it is a must be nice we all have them so and it's interesting I, I blushed when you used me as the example but I was reminded when we both spoke at a conference about six months before the pandemic so about two years ago now uh, I remember that we we were all there and one of the things I do when I'm the MC is I content weave I weave together sort of what this speaker said and how it connects to this speaker and one of the other presenters said something in his speech that I pulled out and brought to the audience. And everybody was like, oh, because it was kind of a throwaway line. And he came up to me afterwards and he goes, I've given the speech dozens of times. The way you talked about that one little piece, he goes, I've never thought of it that way. And it, it's become a bigger part. He was taking it forward in the thing. And he's like, how did you do that? I'm like, I don't know. You said it. I just thought it was really cool. And you blew past it. And when you were talking about it, I was reminded of that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can do that. And so I am blushing really quite a bit that they used me as the example but it is true. We all have those little must be nices that we don't see in ourselves. And other people go, how did you do that? Or you're so lucky. So yeah. when people can identify their, their must be nice, how do they capitalize on it? Well, I think part of it is, is the combination. Um, it's, it's about, like I said, it's, it, usually we have more than one. And so it's about figuring out uh, one great concept that I heard a number of years ago comes from Scott Scott Adams, who many people know as the creator of Dilbert. And he has a concept that he refers to called a talent stack, which is combining uh, talents that are similar, uh, but combined into unique ways. So for instance, as uh, his Dilbert comic, he is self, self-assessed. He says, I am not the best artist in the world. I am not the funniest person in the world. And I don't know the most about business in the world. But the fact that he can combine humor and art and business has created something that's very unique. And so in, in, in my case, the idea of, of combining art and speaking right there is really kind of weird because most artists don't like to speak in public. And then the writing that I do, and it, it, there's like, the, it's kind of like taking your must be nices and then combine that with Kim and the skills she brings and the dynamic that we have when we do virtual things together, create something that is completely different and as Sally Hogshead has said, different is better than better. Sometimes we're so caught up in trying to be better at something that, it, that we forget, like sometimes just being different helps it stand out. And you're, again, I'm going to make you blush again, Tom, but adding to this talent stack. So I know you have done stand-up comedy, right? Which is tangential to speaking, but has its own set of challenges and skills that I know you have talked about and probably on this very show uh, of what you have learned from that and how you've been able to add that to your, your, your talent stack. And um, so being able to take opportunities to learn new skills, heck, a lot of us had to do that with learning virtual learning tech this year has added another flavor to our talent stack, making it different and making other people say, like, oh, must be nice. Well, must be nice that he's not scared to get on a stage in a comedy club. As if you weren't the first 20 times <laughs> that you did it, right? So there's that where it's like, these aren't always natural gifts. They're things you develop, right? Um, which I know you can speak to all day long. So let's take this back to our thought of sort of in this whole thing of how speakers can be really relevant in their branding. So I love this whole idea of playing the right game, 
you know, and admitting, hey, we're playing some game. I loved it when you said that. It's like, it's not don't play games. It's be really conscious of what games you're playing and choose the games you're playing. Coupling that with finding your skill sets, or I love that you call them your must be nices. So Mm -hmm. if we can get these things aligned, how then can we be relevant in our branding? I think it, I think it just happens. I, I, I really, I mean, it sounds so, okay. It just happens. But as Kim said, it took a lot of work to get there. So it takes, I mean, our, our first five, 10 years in the speaking industry was a lot of throwing spaghetti against the wall, trying on different things, following the advice of different speakers, doing things that didn't feel comfortable and be like, that's not me. Like, um, I'm not a three piece suit guy, so I'm, I can't do that, but I, but what can I do? And so there's just a, it's a lot of hard work to figure out what you're about, what game you want to play. And then it's like the, it's the identifying those, those talents, those must be nices and adding new ones. And I think when you get there, I mean, I would say the last you know few years have been our most successful and it feels like it's been the least amount of work because now we've gotten to a point where we're different because of all the other stuff we've done. So it really is like a a process and a journey. And if you look at any of your speaking heroes, the ones you want to be like, they're different, but they didn't, they didn't pop out of the womb that, you know, like, and be like, wow, I'm a great speaker and I have this stagecraft or I have this story or this experience, whatever. It took a while to get there. And so it, it does sort of come together at the end, but it, there's a lot of miles of work uh, to get there. So I, I think, I mean, we could talk for hours and just keep unpacking these tips because I, I think that they're so relevant. I love what you just said, though, about looking at the people who you admire or the people who will, like you who will be on stage at Influence and saying, wow, that's so awesome. But then being honest with yourself and saying, that's not me. I think one of the hardest things that we have in any business, and we're here to talk about being successful in the speaking business, is we so often think we have to put on a mask or a three-piece suit or the right hat or whatever it is. And you guys, in a lot of your work, you talk about this term adultitis, which, you know, really in exists in every industry where we think we have to be a certain way. And leaving industry behind and just saying life, oh, we think as adults, we need to live a certain way. And your message all along since you've been speaking is, you know, get out there and have some fun and be yourself. So let's wrap up this, uh, let's wrap up this interview with a little talk about that. Boy, yeah, go ahead. Where do we start? But we, you know, we just had a client about an hour ago and Jason was sharing about this concept of how we live paint by number lives. You know, remember paint by numbers where everything that's two, you paint red, everything that's three, you paint yellow. And at the end, it kind of looks like art, right? But they don't hang paint by numbers in the Louvre. So the concept of what are we creating in our lives and are we willing to kind of go out, you know, not just go outside the lines, but create our own pattern and create the life that we actually want it to be. And like you said, Tom, oftentimes we get caught in these, well, this industry does it this way. And, you know, that's just how it is versus saying, asking those harder questions, maybe putting ourselves out there to tinker and to maybe take the risk of looking a little different, a little weird, which we actually celebrate to say, yeah, that weirdness is going to stand out. That's going to be the creative change that needed to happen to innovate and grow. Yeah, I think a lot of speakers, it's easy in the speaker business to look for 
the paint by number to look like, what do I need to do to achieve the success that you have? And there just isn't. Now there are things we can learn, like getting leads. There's, there are systems for that. There's strategies and tactics Mm -hmm. for how do I write a book? How do I find a, a bureau? How do I do this? But like to have the full on paint by number, just, it just doesn't, isn't there. And it's really more about finding your compass that leads you to then hunt down, well, what are the tactics I need to accomplish what I, what I want to do? And you're right. It is, it's not just in, in, in business, but it's in our personal life as well. That I think that's where the whole midlife crisis, the, the stereotypical midlife crisis is because someone has gone out feeling they have to play this certain game and they finally get to the point where they look around and they're like, I don't have to be playing this game. I never wanted to play this game. I, this game isn't interesting to me. And then you see a, a shift and sometimes that can be very healthy. Sometimes it can be kind of negative, but I think that's where it comes from as we get caught. Um, it's like that old stupid cliche of like going up the corporate ladder to realize it was leaning against the wrong building. Right. It's that same concept. All I can say to everything you've shared with us today is wow. And I hope everybody listening to speakernomics right now, whether you're out for a run or you're driving, pull over, take out your phone, a piece of paper and write down what Kim Kateki just said. And that is, they don't hang paint-by-number paintings in the Louvre. Don't be a paint-by-number speaker if you want to hang in the proverbial speaker Louvre. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know. It's fun to be able to encourage people to live better lives. That's just what we do from start to finish, um, whether it's with our own tribe or the audiences that we have the privilege to speak in front of. And this summer, being able to speak in front of our peers is a great honor for sure. Well, everybody, if you're not already planning to be at the National Speakers Association's Influence 2021, uh, I think there are still tickets available to be there in person, although they're almost gone. So by the time this airs, I could be, be saying something that's false. But you can always make sure that you sign up for the live stream because you do not want to miss Jason and Kim Kateki and what they have to say. So Jason and Kim, thank you so much for being guests here on Speakernomics. And more importantly, you were two of the first people I ever met when I went to my first National Speakers Association conference. It wasn't called Influence back then. It was the summer convention, I think. Uh, but and in, uh, God, what was that? 2009, uh, in the midst of the Great Recession, I said, I'm going to be a speaker. You were two of the first. I remember. You were I remember. And I remember we were taking a group picture and Tom took the lead. And I said, okay, this guy's someone to watch because <laughs> he is not, he's new and he's leading everyone into this amazing photo, you know, arranging the tall people in the back. Another I'll talent. never forget talent that, Tom. Talent that is a secret talent. During college, I was a sorority <laughs> bid day photographer, meaning the day that all the new pledges came and they'd have 150 <laughs> oh. girls and you had to line up. Them all up. I learned how to arrange group shots with a bunch of people who didn't want to pay attention very quickly. So you you've let out my secret skill is, I, is. Can, I can organize it's a group shot like nobody's business. A bunch of sorority. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> someone's got to do it. So right? It was it was actually a job. My friends were like, "You get paid to do that." So here's here's the thing. Thank you so much. Uh, you're two of the first people I met. Thank you so much for years of friendship, and thank you for sharing so much with the audience of Speakernomics. For those of you who have listened, please. You can find the Kotechis where? Where do they find you? What's your website? You can go to escapeadulthood.com. You can find all the, all the shenanigans we're up to. All right. So get to know the Kotechis if you don't know them. And please join us every single week right here on Speakernomics, where you're going to find more thoughts, ideas, and actionable information 
on how to make more money and have a better business as a professional speaker. And always, and I mean always, remember the motto of this podcast. Speak, get paid, repeat. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.